October 8th, I'm doing some comedy on the mountain. Comedy and storytelling with a DJ. So that's at the Blind Elk Tap Room in Banner Elk, North Carolina. That's Saturday night, October 8th from 6 to 8. So I've been doing some open mics four minutes at a time down the mountain. I've got around 94 jokes. I'm not going to be able to get through all of them. Some of them are long stories. Some of them are one-liners. But my friend Raheem Andrews and I are going to be there on Saturday night, October 8th, 6 p.m., Blind Elk Tap Room in Banner Elk. I'll tell stories. I'll try to be funny. Maybe we'll dance together. Have a good time. So come out October 8th, Saturday night, Blind Elk Tap Room in Banner Elk, 6 to 8 p.m. This episode of Things About Things is all about happiness. What is it? Why is it? How do you know when you're experiencing it? My friend Jupiter Ferrer and I sit down for about an hour and talk all about it. Things About Things. It's really good. thought about it a bunch but mm-hmm. I didn't I just said what if we talked about it is ha- the word happiness mm-hmm. <sighs> like what does it mean mm-hmm. uh, uh, how do you know if you're experiencing it mm. is there a difference between happiness and joy mm. the answer is yes they're different words so they evoke something different but I mean, what is the difference? Because <clears throat> a lot of times I've heard people make joy into something that is more important than happiness mm-hmm. and more meaningful than happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely <clears throat> heard it used kind of as just like uh, very happy, condensed into one word. So more than happy, joyous. Well, more than would mean higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I don't actually think that that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think they're like like this rather than like this? Yeah. So I've heard, usually within religious context, mm-hmm. of happiness was something that was actually almost dismissed as that you're not pursuing that. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to choose, you have a choice. You're going to choose happiness or you're going to choose joy. Mm. And joy has a deeper happiness in your soul. Mm -hmm. Happiness is surface level and fleeting and of the flesh. Mm -hmm. And joy is this inside of you, soul, happy or joy that's deeper, better, eternal. And I don't believe that. That's Mm -hmm. what one of the things I realized is that I was so entrenched in those two things Mm -hmm. being the case. There's joy. He's like, don't choose happiness when you could choose joy. Yeah, it's like, why are you doing things that make you happy? You should be doing other things that will make you joyous. Mm-hmm. Which is better than happy. Mm-hmm. And you're bo- you skip one. Don't, don't be happy. Skip. Be miserable because you're supposed to skip to mm-hmm. big time happy, which sounds a lot like be miserable in your whole life on earth because you get to go to heaven. Mm. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And the real me is like, I don't actually believe that. Mm -hmm. I actually do believe in happiness and joy, and I do believe in heaven, or earth, this earth experience in heaven, but my understanding or opinion of heaven is not what it was 25 years ago of in the clouds or something. It means all sorts of other Eastern interpretations blended in with it and not about a literal place necessarily out there somewhere, but more of a, more of a heaven being here, mm -hmm. experiencing something that's uh, deeply, deeply, deeply true would be maybe an interpretation of heaven. Mm -hmm. Being part of the all and acknowledging that you're part of the all. Yeah. That's heaven. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways. <clears throat> so it's like I believe in that more than ever, but in completely different ways than I used to think about it. Mm -hmm. It's just a complete, it's a change. And I've taken some of the language with me and said, I kind of still like some of these words. And then I've, t I've <clears throat> dropped 98% of the words. Like, I don't need these words anymore. Mm -hmm. But then every once in a while, some of them pop up. And I realized that joy was one of the words that I associated more with religion. And happiness was something that I experienced naturally. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it was like I was just happy. But then religion taught me, no, no, don't do that. Do this other deeper thing. That, and then I'm like, I don't even, I'm, I don't resonate with that one as much. Mm -hmm. uh, but I learned to kind of play that, learn those words. But anyway, this is all just kind of occurring to me right now. You know, just, I, I, I want to learn more joy. And I think maybe there is something to be said about some deeper, maybe meditative way to experience it. And, mm -hmm. Silent. Sufish album, Joy. Hmm. <laughs> but my real point is, I really like happiness. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I feel like I'm, like, like one of my passions or roles in the world. It's just like, I like making people happy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Yeah. I just like doing that. And it's like, oh, well, you know, what you could do is, you should maybe don't try to make people happy. Give them joy. Mm -hmm. Almost like that's the better one. Like, no, that maybe you should do that then. I want to make them happy. <laughs> right? It makes me think of like, you know, you see a person who's like asking for change and it's, it's the difference between handing them money and handing them like, hey, go check out this church. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Like, Technic you are benefiting them in both ways, I think, concretely, because, like, if you're going to a church, you might get some food and stuff. Well, and you might have human beings that look at you in your eye and see mm -hmm. you as a dig person but with dignity. But when you do that, I don't think you're making the person happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. You might provide them with joy, because they might find some, like, um, small comfort in their life, ultimately, from that. Um, yeah. And, you know, it could lead to all sorts of things. Who knows? But I think in that moment, you would not be providing them with happiness. Okay. Uh, continue. I think the way that I think about it, based on what you just said, is I'm, I'm putting like this divide between joy and happiness that I'm not so sure should be there. Mm-hmm. That I think I learned somehow. Yeah. I, 
I heard it somewhere that it got in me mm-hmm. and started <clears throat> making me think, okay, that joy and happiness, they're not on the same team. Mm-hmm. You got to pick one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that feeling though. And it's like, it's a language game. And I think it becomes obvious that they're not separate things when you consider that like what emotions exist and you're able to talk about depend on what language you are speaking. Absolutely. other languages might not have uh, a word with a particular connotation that joy does. They've got all these words for, like, general positive feelings, and, like, you use them in different contexts with, like, family or, like, with friends. Uh, And they all have, like, very specific types of, like, feeling good. So Um, really the the definition of joy and happiness in a dictionary is less important right now than... How I became someone who believes specific things about those words. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. My feeling about the word joy and my feeling about the word happiness is a struggle in me. But not the, not the dictionary doesn't put that struggle. Mm-hmm. My understanding of those words. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Uh, different people have different ways of thinking of the same word. Mm-hmm. There's, it seems impossible for humans to communicate with each other. And yet we do. And we right? figure it out. That's crazy. Although sometimes when I watch the news, I'm like, oh, wait, we are losing that battle, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know. But I it still, was a good run. <laughs> but I believe, I still believe in something really, really good in the world, mm-hmm. which goes back to my happiness point. Mm-hmm. And... I think I have this ability. I don't mean some crazy ability. You'll understand in a second. I don't mean like some crazy supernatural ability. But I've always had this, I'll call it intuition. But it's just a bent towards positive energy in the universe with combined with intuition. When I look at people, when someone looks at me, it doesn't always have to be a smile. Usually happiness is associated with a smile, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. But totally, I, yeah. Yeah, but when I look at someone in the eye, their eyes, I can see happiness in their eyes. Everyone. Hmm. And like, it, and what I mean is pick someone, you go, oh, well, not someone who's depressed and doesn't have that. I see something in there when I look at them that's still alive. And they feel depressed, and I'm like, uh-uh. I see they're happy deep, deep down. I can see it. Hmm. And then uh, picture just a total scumbag mm-hmm. who, like, when he smiles, but you can see, like, he's full of it. You mm-hmm. know that? that yeah, he get, Wall Street. There we go. <laughs> I see happiness in their eyes, which that would seem to be the hardest one because, like, not them. Mm-hmm. They're just evil. They're trying to destroy. And I go, no, no, that's not the real them. I think I see the real them behind that guy that's doing that fake smile, aggressive thing. There's this like, I see this thing in them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what namaste means. Mm-hmm. Namaste means like, I see God in you mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know to your point before every word translated. <laughs> I don't know if that's really what they mean by that. Mm-hmm. But the equivalent of I see God or I see the universe or the all, the one, I see that in you. Hello, I see that in you. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm experiencing. 
when I say, when I look at people in the eyes and I, whether they are happy, sad, depressed, faking it, lying, cheating, I go, I see, I think that I see happiness in their eyes. And I think I'm going, namaste, namaste, namaste to everyone. And, uh, but man, the in real life, like it's one thing to talk about it, but in real life, there's such a, like, I want to be someone who sees, like, across the spectrum, no matter what walk of life, no matter what, I see that. But, man, on the edges sometimes, it's really hard. When it's, like, I really, 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 really disagree with someone mm-hmm. on almost everything that they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I see, and I actually I can see hate in their eyes. <laughs> yeah. That's the hardest time to go, no, I see happiness. Yeah. I've always um, had compassion for people who are like that because I don't think it's people's fault that, you know, yeah. we don't choose the circumstances in which we're born. We're and shaped. those have, like, a very strong effect on, like, the person we become. Yeah. That's tribalism, too. I mean, it. I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, usually I would say tribalism in a negative way. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is whatever tribe you're raised in, you're probably going to think like that tribe. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, like... Because... As humans, we're born with very little knowledge, and so we have to absorb that from around us. Yeah, I learned from what I saw, yeah. And except for really, really, really horrible situations, no matter if somebody has very differing beliefs, you probably, hopefully, were raised with at least someone in your life that cared about you on some level that mm-hmm. t- that took care of you. Yeah. Even if it was, like, broken horrible stuff i bet you somebody was like i'll take you in and i'll i'll help feed you that yeah. person then becomes your tribe and that's you learn from them mm-hmm. that's your world you live in you're probably going to believe what they believe when do you think it shifts um i think there are certain things that people people can tell when they're being mistreated uh mm-hmm. and so like a lot of the time, what you're what you'll be taught is that it's okay to mistreat you. Like this is what abusive parents do: is yep. they're not like I'm abusing you, deal with it. They're like, no, 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 I'm not abusing you. This is a regular way for me to treat you. The ultimate and when gaslighting. You're a kid, you don't like you're like this sucks, but I like I don't know what to do about it. At some point, you might get older, like learn more about this. Um, but I think you can tell the whole time, like that you're being mistreated. Something's not right. Mhm. Yeah. I think that that's I think that's right. When I think back at my childhood, <clears throat> there were plenty of times that I uh I might have liked or disliked, but the list is really short when I go I think I was being mistreated there. Mhm. You know, like being like, I didn't get picked for the whatever team. That, yeah. That's not even close to the same thing as I was being mistreated. Although, in the moment, you probably felt mistreated. But mm-hmm. you... It, I, I should say you. And there are versions you, of that that are intentional, like, Horrible bullying things. Yeah. Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't say you. I really just mean me. Mm-hmm. My, those moments, I don't have very many that are kind of like at the playground at recess. Uh I have some vague ones about, like, my parents arguing Mm -hmm. with each other in a really, like, loud, aggressive way. 
And then they gave me an explanation afterwards, and I went, they were lying. Yeah. And it was like, I remember that moment of being a random, like, I'm nine years old, and my parents are in the hallway, and, and, I'll, and then I went, they were lying to me just now. And then I went back to my room. I remember that way more than I remember something like I didn't get picked for dodgeball. Mm-hmm. But then it goes back to, like, it's because I was the athletic kid that I was always picked for dodgeball. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't my wound. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I as a kid um, did this thing where I kind of like, like came to terms with uh, that I was like not great at sports, uh, and so when things happened that were like the result of me being um, unsportsmanlike, I don't know. That's yeah. Uh, well, unsportsmanlike would imply like. Kind of disobeying the rules. Right, right. Uh, I'm more just mean unathletic. That's the word. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, I learned to kind of, like, just, like, shut off the, like, being upset about that. Because I was like, this is something I'm going to have to deal with because the reality of my life right now is that I'm not good at sports. And sports are overrated anyway. But, I mean... That's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I still love them, though. That's the irony of it all. I think sports are really cool even though I'm not really... You know what? I'm way into curling, so that's my favorite sport. And I'm way into something called hurling, which I just learned about. It's an Irish, ancient Irish sport. Where you throw a thing? You hurl a thing. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like high lie and lacrosse hmm. stick thing. Um, Interesting. But with like a hard wooden paddle to hit the ball. Hmm. And you can catch it for a little while and run a couple steps. It's an ancient Celtic game. That's so interesting. Yeah, and so th- it wasn't hard for them to adopt football slash soccer, like mm-hmm. the the real football. It wasn't hard for them to adopt it because they already had the similar size field and similar kinds of goals. And you ran with it and threw it into a goal. So they went, oh, but like with your feet. Mm-hmm. But So when the soccer ball came to Ireland, they went, oh, with your feet. But also sometimes with your hands, right? And original football would say, no. They have a thing called Gaelic football mm-hmm. that you can catch the ball. And then <laughs> and run. it's still like a... Like it's a, like a soccer ball. <laughs> and you can catch it and then like take a couple steps and then kick it around and then pick it up and throw it. And it's like... Because they, they played hurling and then soccer came and they're like, yeah, that's cool. But we'll just blend it and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ireland is one of the coolest freaking countries spiritually because a lot of times when... Uh, Catholicism or when Christianity was advancing and like those that that particular colonization in history. I mean there's been a lot, but when that one happened, uh mostly when the European Christians, that's really what I mean. Once Christianity reached Europe, when the European Christians started doing their colonization and empires, uh most countries got um basically that cultural genocide thing that happened mm-hmm. where it's like the, the religion that was there died and they all be, they essentially just became a Christian mm-hmm. empire too. Yeah. Uh, Ireland didn't, even though people think it's mm-hmm. Irish Catholic, of course yeah. they did. And it actually is big time Catholic. And it is not for want of trying. There were definitely attempts and continue to be attempts to like, force like like they tell some schools will tell kids not to speak gaelic because it's yeah. like yeah see you know freaking <laughs> you read something and it stuck with you yeah but it i think it comes to back to the way that the ancient celtic 
spiritual people handled mm-hmm. it when Christianity came. The Druids? The Is Dru- that right? That they were part of it, yeah. There's other names too, but mm-hmm. Druids. Uh, something, I'll call it enchanting, must have happened mm-hmm. because when Christianity reached there, it blended with what was happening. Yeah. And that's pretty rare for a monotheistic religion mm-hmm. to be cool with pagan ways and any on any level with other God stories. Mm-hmm. It's not what normally happens in Christianity. Yeah. And then the Celtic one, they were like, oh, yes, but also we'll still talk about the goddess of such and such. And it's like, whoa, that's basically breaking the beginning of the commands. Mm-hmm. And they just went, yeah, let's do that too. That seems cool. And stories about the moon and and there's uh, and I'm like, all about it is what I'm saying. There's research into like early, early versions of that, like things that are in like broad form Christianity that came from that type of mixing with other things yeah, yeah, early on. Yeah, that like happened so early it ended up in the Bible. Oh, man, here's one. Hell. Mm-hmm. The word that would tra- was translated into hell, starting in Hebrew time, early Old Testament time, mm-hmm. it meant the grave, mm. where you go when you die. You go there into the ground. Yeah. Um. Or maybe just the word death. Mm-hmm. It could mean like you enter death. I've heard it meant like uh, like a landfill, like the place where like refuse goes. Well, you're, that's the New Testament. Okay. You, that, you just bounced to Jesus times. Mm-hmm. That was this trash where they burned the trash outside of the okay. city. That was a Greek word that was compared to that. Okay. Right? Uh, so Hebrew to Greek. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it wasn't like, it, w- it was basically branches that don't have any use to them. They get thrown outside. They don't have any use to them. Mm-hmm. But if you, how would in a religion that was Jewish, and of course the Judaism line continued, but then a branch of Judaism was Christianity, believing that the Messiah had come, it branches off of it. Um, oh man, what was I getting at? Um, um, branching off from Judaism, from the word meaning just the grave. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it branches off. Why would just something in the ground that dies, that's death, you go into the Sheol. You're just, you're dead. Mm-hmm. There's a hope of resurrection, though, in Judaism. Mm-hmm. So you're you're dead, but we have this collective hope that we will be again. Mm-hmm. Resurrection for, for all. There's a hope for it, but you're dead. You're not in hell with burning flames. You're just dead. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll... It's kind of a purgatory. It could it could be said is that a waiting period, yeah, mm-hmm. and then veer off. Why would you start? Why would a story that Jesus told about being cast into this thing where it's like, well, if it's not needed, it just gets thrown away. Why would that be the word hell when you came from just you thought the word hell just meant being dead in the ground? Why are you now talking about hell? And interpreting a story that Jesus shared. Like maybe he wasn't even talking about the same thing at all about Sheol. He's making a different point. Mm-hmm. And you connected it with that other point. Why? Uh, uh, the, I can't remember what it's called. Noroastrians. Zoroastrian. Uh, Zoro, yeah, thank you. Zoroastrianism. They apparently had a 
flaming afterlife story. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the inevitable Hellenization process of Greek mythology. Yeah. So what you have is original Jew, hell is death, being dead. Purgatory, maybe, if you want to go that far with it and say, but one day we hope for some resurrection. But, but you're just in the dirt. You're not being punished. You're just at the end of the life cycle and you're in the ground. And um, a spiritual way of saying, maybe we will continue after this, which just scientifically we know that's true. Mm-hmm. You continue with this. Yeah. But to spiritualize it, you're like, I, you, your consciousness goes and then you're like, but I hope we experience this and are conscious of this again. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think there's beauty in that. And if you want to call it certain words, I love it. As long as it's not hurting other people, how you have this kind of hope. Mm-hmm. Why would that be so bad to yeah. lay down and go, oh, I mm-hmm. hope, we, hope we see each other again. That's not an evil thing to think. No. That's beautiful. Yeah. Radical hope is cool. Yeah. Hope, um, radical hope. Like it is the, radical. Someone I was talking about earlier, John Green, he likes to say that hope is available to everyone. Yeah. It is. It doesn't have a quantity to it Mm -hmm. because you don't need anything to have hope it becomes harder if you are lacking a lot of things Uh, and is it is it stupid you know statistically that's kind of a matter of opinion statistically uh, is it should we have hope yes Uh, I think we should because I don't think not having hope will lead to a better future. You Like, you can uh, have hope or not have hope, and, like, it's probably not going to change that much about where you end up in a positive way if you choose not to have hope. Yeah. Man. I, I tend to be someone that has hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... And that's always been a thing for me, because... As I, like, studied physics, I came, you know, I came to believe, like, we don't have free will and, um, like, the universe uh, is, like, inherently absurd and meaningless, um, which I still kind of believe. But what I did to deal with that is just be like, okay, so what? Like, I'll Radical anyway. acceptance. Like, that's... All that's true. I think I'll still... Yeah. Uh, and... I had this thought of if I die, mm-hmm. when I die, yeah. but I mean, in, in, hypothetically, we when... We say if, we don't know. <laughs> that's true. But what I mean is like in a, hypo, in a hypothetical situation after my death, mm-hmm. if I find out there isn't any God at all or like not even a... Not even anything that you would mm-hmm. call the universe or the all or the spirit realm or the soul mm-hmm. or what, you know, all the words. Like if there isn't anything that is metaphysical in any way, I'm going to go, nah, I still think there is. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean, yeah, dude? I absolutely do. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a book I read, a series of books I read. Um, they are like high fantasy. Yeah, they yeah. place on a planet that has a constant storm circling the entire thing and that has affected like the geopolitics of the yeah, entire yeah. world. Um, that being said, in that book, the god that the people in that 
in some of those nations on that planet pray to is dead. Like, they found it out. Uh, but there's a character who's like, okay, God is dead, but I just, I think there's like a, a I don't think that was God then. I think there's an even higher thing. Yeah. No matter what, you just keep going. Mm-hmm. And the, what movies are teaching us, uh, when all hope is lost, someone keeps believing, and then in those movies, they win. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Frodo destroyed the ring. All hope was lost. And well, you look. What's his name? Destroyed the ring. Oh, right. <laughs> Gollum. Yeah. yeah, sorry. For Frodo, Frodo at the last second c- couldn't do it. Even Frodo. Yeah. That's right. At the last second, he just couldn't do it. I still believe he would have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still think yeah. that if Gollum wouldn't have came and bit his finger off and that whole thing, I think Frodo and Sam would have figured it out. It, I think Sam would have helped him, and they would have got they would have died together in the fire. It's interesting to me. Because I believe the that best. That would be a good ending. Because I believe the best in people. So I'd be like, nah, even Frodo, and he would be like, I can't. And Sam would go, I love Frodo so much, I'm going, we're dying. Yeah. Because he said I needed to help him destroy the ring. Mm -hmm. And we would have freaking cried our eyes out. Oh, my God, yeah. Without a sequel of them coming back to life. (laughs) Or no, part two, the resurrection. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it back to the hope of resurrection. Mm -hmm. That's cheesy. That's che- if if that was the way, I'd be like, come on, you can't just bring them back to life. Because death doesn't have stakes anymore. Like that's like in a soap opera when that mm-hmm. happened in the eighties. It'd be like, come on, that's the that's the cheapest trick in the book. It happens all the time. Still, what's his, uh, the Brian from Family Guy died a few years ago, <laughs> and they just immediately a lot of that. shows. They've got tattoos for that. A lot of shows do that, but mm-hmm. they just explain their way out of it right yeah it was a dream the whole time this season two was a whole dream so oh well (laughs) how do we bring it back it's a fun thing to do that's how you should end season two it was all a dream (laughs) (laughs) yes the uh the boardroom is all like the not the boardroom the writer writing room Mm -hmm. it's like how do we bring him back to life and they're like if it this and they go like no because remember the doctor already declared and they buried him you can't just mm-hmm. uh, we just say the whole thing's a dream <laughs> and they're like we could just say the whole thing's a dream and they start and it was like yeah the first like soap opera in the 1970s that was good Donna the whole thing was a dream yeah it's like an ex machina or a Deus ex machina oh yeah yeah man some stories are good like that. I... When it was a dream. That's true. That's also a really popular <laughs> fan theory for everything. Is like, oh, what if it was all a dream? Like, it's sort of a, it's a cop out to think about the story. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it, it when people like the trolls on YouTube just come out and go, the whole thing was a dream, so it didn't matter. You're mm-hmm. like, come on, man. There's so much more nuance in this movie to talk about. And so yeah. it's like, the whole thing. The whole a thing dream. was a dream, and it matters a lot. <laughs> yeah, Inception. Inception. That, yep. You can't just make the whole thing was a dream. You're like, I mean, you're right, but you're missing the point. <laughs> no, it didn't matter. The whole thing's a dream. It's like, yeah, it was a dream, but there were real people in it. <laughs> Did you watch the movie? What about the experiences that the people had? That matters, right? What about their feelings? <laughs> God, that movie got me. You think the thing, the top moved at the, 
Yeah, I moved a little bit. Yeah, so that's it. That's the tell. I I think it was not meant to... I think it was more funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just like a... And, and also <laughs> it lets you interpret the end of the story either way you want. Mm-hmm. I think it's the... What's the inkblot test? Rorschach. I think it's a Rorschach. Say it again. I can't pronounce it. Rorschach. Um, Rorschach. I always say Rorschach. Rorschach. Rorsch. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And it, you see people go, it didn't move. No, it was, it's like I heard it and started to wobble. No, mm-hmm. it didn't. Yeah. And, you know, whatever you wanted to happen, happened. Yeah. I think good story, that's a good story. Good storytellers do that. I learned, this is kind of a non sequitur, but, but I was thinking about it from something. I learned the etymology of my name all the way back to the Proto-Indo-European root. Whoa. Um, Go for it. It's, it's basically just Sky Father. Um, oh. Pater is father, and then Jew is from, is derived eventually from uh, the word for sky. But the interesting sky thing father. is that. So I that's just all heard the way a, back a story to, about Sky Mother today. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So that goes all the way back to Proto Indo European, which is like a language we've recreated based on languages in the area. Um, like, we can tell they all shared a language that they came from. Uh, and so the root that became Sky there, I I haven't, like, looked this up yet to check, but what I know about the etymologies of these words, I believe the word um, Deus, like God, uh, is from that same root, from Sky. Oh. Yeah. And then... Thematically, um, it certainly makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Father God mm-hmm. is a phrase in, like, some yeah, Christian. Yeah, the Father. Story. Yeah. Our but, Father. But, mm-hmm. yeah, but specifically the phrase together, Father God. Mm-hmm. Father God. That would be, like, Sky Father. Yeah. And, it, like, um, and Zeus was the Sky Father. Which is kind of related to the Deus to thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many things that I think you have a, a, a root story in the ancient Near East that has some things in common with other stories in the ancient Near East, but one of the very first monotheistic ones, that's where you have the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, they were, they were a lot like the people around them in many ways. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I mean, same culture, same food, same DNA. and But then, like, yeah, of course we look at the world like that. Yes, of course this is what we do. Oh, we only think there's one God. And they were a very distinct, not the only one in the world at the time, but one of the only ones in that part of the world at the time. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that wrote stuff down that it lasted longer. There were other traditions, but they just didn't manage to write a Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they didn't, like, get enough, like, uh, momentum and growth to grow to the point where they would have, like, writings that would last to we so that we would know. Mm-hmm. They had writings, but they faded. Or some of them had writings. Yeah. A lot of ones were just... Can I ask old. you something? Yeah. About, like... Christianity being monotheistic because I oh sure, I've heard people make arguments and I think I could make an argument 
that it isn't yeah, yeah. monotheistic. It is self-proclaimed like, as monotheistic. It has all these parts that other religions are like, those are other gods. But yeah. because of the way that it's d- done, they're like, no, no, no. Those aren't other gods. They're other things that other manifestations the, the of powers and that yeah. God has given them. Like angels, you could like those are like a godly thing. Um, yeah, but you're and, like, no, it's an extension of. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a sent one. It's not special in of itself. It isn't equal. Yeah. To, but Father, Son, Spirit and, seems to be this equality of the three. Yeah, and I think the reason that I I'm able I see the comparison is because like other. Uh, multi-god religions still have that kind of hierarchy and a lot of them have specifically like the one above all but they acknowledge that there there, there are multiple yeah like you, the language they, they say use it out loud these are like gods they put an with s. powers they put an s after god yeah that's it that's the dividing line mm-hmm. you put an s after god you're not one of us that's the monotheistic Mm-hmm. I, in my experience, uh, that's the dividing line of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They're all the monotheistic ones, mm-hmm. but Judaism and Islam are—they mean it more. They're more hardcore about that being an absolute. Mm-hmm. Christianity has Christianity's the one that went. Uh, and again, I don't mean any offense by any people group, but like I, in my understanding of history, the Catholics blended it a little bit more with mm-hmm. other traditions. Protestantism was like one, mm-hmm. no, All don't the blend. Saints are kind of like gods, and those are and those are that's from the Catholic tradition. Protestant doesn't have they don't yeah you know so the Catholics were like oh yeah instead of it being like the tree moon thing it's we'll call it saint james Mm -hmm. and they put him on the right and like he's the patron saint of pigeons and it's like you mean you got that from the religion that like worships a pigeon goddess and like no no no, that's saint peter the (laughs) the saint of pigeons and it's like no this is a you blended two religions (laughs) i'm feeling like there's something else going on here i was looking into um like i was trying to figure out if there was like biblical reasons for like listening to the pope um and the answer is not really unless you want to interpret the part about um what's his name peter. you are yeah peter yeah. you're my rock um yeah. the first pope according to catholics yeah according to catholics the first pope and by the way i have who... catholic friends who totally respect i even f- understand the thought process i mm-hmm. just haven't come to the same conclusion yeah but i love what i love it i think it's cool except for the obvious parts that aren't cool yeah yeah Ooh. <laughs> but Ooh. i mean they would all agree with those parts too totally, not yeah. cool too <laughs> i was i was like so why is this guy able to speak for god and it's because supposedly um peter instilled in the next pope apostolic power like he yeah. was a real apostle and then he claimed that god granted him the authority to pass on that authority yeah. and that's pretty much where one of the divided catholic and protestant lines where it breaks yeah. it's like the protestant would say no mm-hmm. we can't trust what you just said starting there on that's yeah. why in Protestant history, you don't hear about as much. I mean, I'm, it's such an oversimplification to just say Catholics and Protestants. It's There's so much more nuance, right? Just mm-hmm. like anything when you're talking about this or this. Mm-hmm. 
But in general, in a very general way, Protestants would say like there'd be less history focusing on the early fathers and the early saints of the church in the first few hundred years mm-hmm. or the first 500 years or whatever, because yeah. it's like, you can't say Jesus gave this power to Peter who gave it magically to so-and-so who gave it magically to so-and-so. It's, mm-hmm. That isn't. It is sort of in, like in not in the Bible. Um, well, it's not in the Bible. So it's, it's like, it's authority they it's claim tradition. by direct connection to the characters in the Bible. That's right. Yeah, it's like, no, I know it's not in the Bible, but I knew Peter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Bible doesn't say that. Peter told I, me that. <laughs> no, this might be what you're talking way about. Back. Yeah, he, totally. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, and John wrote, the, one of the earliest followers of Jesus wrote the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book of John, actually, way later in life. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have been around the year 30, Jesus doing his thing. It'd be like the year 60 or 70 or 80 or, mm-hmm. or something. And it's like, no, the Bible was already written by that. No, no, not all of it. They kept going a little bit. Yeah. John wrote like a couple more things, and they were big. And what some uh, a Muslim friend of mine taught mm-hmm. me was that some of the teachings of Christianity in the Bible that begin to deify Jesus mm-hmm. were the ones written later. Mm. Like John wrote his, he, he was yeah. with Jesus. John was with Jesus. It's legit. It's probably historically, even if you're not religious, it's probably a historical fact. There was a Jesus of Nazareth and he had some followers and even Judaism acknowledges that as a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for something to be written, not in the year 30, Jesus was doing his thing, but like years and decades later by one of the fathers when he's old, it's like, mm. and that's the, the book of John mm-hmm. says m- way more about Jesus being God mm-hmm. than the other gospels. Uh, so, so some Muslims and some people argue that it wasn't the original message that Jesus was proclaiming. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there to say, I'm God. He was there to say uh, love and peace and healing and mm-hmm. love each other. Yeah. Um, and then later on, his followers said that he was God, mm-hmm. which is pretty consistent with a lot of religions. When their leader dies, yeah. some they spiritualize it and go, that was a, that was a God among us, or mm-hmm. God reincarnated like was here. martyrdom. Or apotheosis. Yeah. So afterwards, you begin to try to worship. So I find that really interesting because it's like I understand a certain thread of the Bible mm-hmm. that would come to to come to a conclusion that there's this Messiah promise that Messiah was always supposed to be God as a human. Mm-hmm. Jesus is that. So there's the story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, no, no, later on they just went, no, he's God. It was like, no, there's a whole thread in the Bible that connects it. And, mm-hmm. and there, so it's like for me to even entertain the possibility mm-hmm. that just like later on they started worshiping him and it wasn't even part of the original story. It's like a devastating blow to my mm. belief. Yeah. And I'm just like acknowledging it mm-hmm. instead of going, nope, because yeah. I think that's what, where people don't grow. They just go, they hear something and they go, nope. And they just like block it out. Mm-hmm. I want to bring in whatever thought and not be afraid of any thought. Yeah. Because 
if something's true, why should I be afraid of it? Because mm, you're a liar? Or like, because you are lying. Is oh, the right. <laughs> if you're lying, you'd be afraid of truth. That's right. Of course, there is an answer to that. But but my the heart of my point was... <laughs> you don't want to lie. You're not lying. I don't want to <laughs> lie. But also, I don't want to lie to myself. Mm-hmm. So if there's a thought that comes in, and it's like, that's... So good. Mm-hmm. Why would I go? That doesn't. Nope. That doesn't, doesn't fit. Doesn't nope. fit within my thing. And I know so many people mm-hmm. like that. They go, it doesn't fit in my thing, so I'm not going to entertain it. What I'm imagining is uh, you're putting back like dominoes or something, some toys into a box, and they fit perfectly if you know how to put them there. And you've gotten it all together, and you're like, this is going well. And you get to the last piece, and it just doesn't fit, and you're like. <gasps> Doesn't go in the box. <laughs> That's it. Which in real life, I feel like I would probably want to just risk that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it in real life. But I'm the kind of person like, oh, I don't think I could take it all apart. Yeah. And I start would just, over. Like, put it, it, like shove it where it can fit and let the lid not fit. <laughs> That's a good one too. I've done that many times. Now, this, what does that mean? What does that mean metaphorically? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Oh, it's kind of what I do of like, uh, like what I was talking about earlier. Like my belief system supports that the universe is absurd, but I don't care. Like I don't operate my life that way because like whatever. So like the lid's a little ajar. Like anyone who hears me say that is like, well, you know, you're being inconsistent and like there's not like a logic to your decision here. And it's like, yeah, that's true. The lid's off. That's wholeness, though. It's like holistic living. Mm-hmm. Is you're like, yeah, yeah. You acknowledge that because I think that we don't have to live our lives thinking that it's wrong for the lid to be a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Why is that wrong? It's I don't think it's wrong. There are versions of wrong in life that are obvious that we would all agree with that are wrong, murderous things. Mm-hmm. Sure, of course there are. No, I'm not in any way suggesting that there shouldn't be any rules in the whole world ever, Mm -hmm. that's probably not going to work. It's too far. Yeah. Too far. Some rules I like, but I love the, well, why can't the lid just be a little bit off this box? Mm -hmm. Because the thing wouldn't fit. We'll figure it out. We'll play. It'll be great. Maybe someday it'll fit. Yeah. We'll jingle it. (laughs) Maybe one day we can, like, do a ton of work and go back through the rest of the pieces in the box. Hope is not lost. Hope is not lost. That's why I wouldn't throw it away. Because mm-hmm. then it's not in the box anymore. I'd be no. We keep it in case we figure this thing out. Yeah. And I think we will. And that's the I lean towards the. I can't help with the the yin yang. I go no, nah, but light's gonna mm. win. <laughs> you believe the pieces do fit in the box, even if you haven't fit them in yet. That's I do believe that. And uh, it's going to be fun to figure out together. Mm. If people work together, that's the fun part, man. Yeah. Because if you feel alone in it, like all these people, like who cares? Just shove it back. Like, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, no, let's, what if we fix this? <laughs> you meet someone and you're like, hey, um, does your, do all your pieces fit in the box? No, they don't. Like, I thought I was the only yeah, one. Like, Did this green one? Yeah, the green one. And you're like, what do we do with that? 
and then you start taking it out. I don't like undoing stuff mm-hmm. to figure it all out unless I'm with someone else. Mm-hmm. I hate it alone. But some people love that stuff alone. Do Just, you like doing that stuff by yourself? Does it help calm you? Because I... I, I know several people the who thing. they're like, oh, I totally want to be alone and just like some music and a glass of wine and set it all out. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. I, I like to do some figuring like that. Um, yeah, I think I do that type of thing alone for the most part. Painting. Yeah. Like I do art alone. Um, I do art with people too, I guess, but it's different. I do art alone. Interesting. Um, I was gonna, there was something I was. I bet you a lot of people do art alone, don't they? Yeah, it's got to be kind of a leaning towards alone mm-hmm. thing. Because you're like, I don't know if I want people to see it mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, people it's can't got... see it till it's done. Yeah, like, I might change just change things. It makes sense. It's an unfinished thing. I bet musicians like when they're when they first have an idea. And they're not even sure how they're going to do it yet. They probably want to be alone just for a moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then they work it out enough to go, hey, check this out. Yeah. And but I guess you don't people... even notice. You're just like naturally thinking like, oh, I'm working on this. And like it doesn't feel ready to show other people. And you're not like, oh, I need to be alone to work with this. Make sure it's I'm able to show it to other people. You're just like, I haven't quite figured this out yet. Yeah. Oh, um, what we what we were just talking about reminded me of uh, Descartes. Um, I think Rene Descartes. Yeah, that's the uh, only Descartes I know. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, me too. I think. Yeah. Um, he did this thing. Um, his like, I think, therefore I am, was the result of him attempting to build his worldview on. Um, on concrete, like, as if you will. Uh, and the way he did that, he was like, okay, everything I believe to be true, I don't, I no longer know. Like, I, none of those things work. I have to dump it all out. Uh, and his first two things were, well, I'm thinking about things, so I must exist. And that was, I think, therefore I am. His second thing, did I? His mm-hmm. second thing was that God exists, because if I exist, then God exists. And I always found that to be a logical leap. Um, I, like, I kind of understand. He's saying, like, cause and effect, like, something if a thing made like me. me exists, something other than me made this. Um, yeah, I, I became here somehow. Mm-hmm. I arrived here. I don't, I don't exist just as me. Something had to cause me being mm-hmm. here. I would, however, argue that he didn't do a great job of dumping out all his presuppositions because he didn't go like, a God must exist, a creator. He That's was like, right. Christian God must exist in all yeah. the ways I believe in, him to exist. Right, in which case it's a huge jump from step one. Yeah. It's like, where did, you, where did that one come from? You start from, I exist, and you're like, all right. And you jump all the way to Christian God exists? Yeah. You skipped like 7 million steps. Yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> but just going, and that's one of the first feelings I ever had about a God, because I didn't grow up in a religion. Mm-hmm. So when I was a teenager, early teenage, well, may, I, I, well, what I was going to say is my whole life, I just had a feeling 
mm-hmm. that there was something that connected everything. Yeah. No one ever, t- I didn't go to church or synagogue. I just went, there's something that just, there's something. Mm-hmm. And if it's a someone that you talk to, that's cool. If it's not a someone, but it's still, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. That was my first feeling of God. Religion started to give me language for that, mm-hmm. that led to Father God. And I don't want to dismiss that phrase mm-hmm. because it's part of the human experience, but it's only one part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't want to, I think part of this, part of this, uh, kind of movement we're in right now, there's a pushback against a lot of patriarchal ways mm-hmm. and as there should be. But if you go too far with it, you can be like, we need to get rid of fathers mm-hmm. because of how much damage they've done. Be like fathers are a natural part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. You don't get rid this whole thing. This whole growth that we're doing together is to value mm-hmm. all lives. Right? So, so are fathers. <laughs> uh, so I think taking the power, good. Taking the life, bad, is really, I think, what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, was, I learned Father God language. Mm-hmm. But it was as a late teenager, when my whole life it was just, no, there's something. And then now I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm not really going back because that implies regressing of some kind. I think I'm carrying something with me and moving forward from both. Mm-hmm. It's a blend. And I go, I'm back to being 10 years old, just going, no one's saying a word to me or teaching me anything about any religion at all. And I'd sit outside by the ocean and be like, there's something. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. That was it. It's like a little movie scene, you know, from a Disney movie. Yeah. Something out there. I can feel it, you know. And and then getting taught the Father God language and all that, dropping some of it that I actually don't resonate with, but not wanting to get to just throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Not the, the the puzzle piece. I don't want to just yeah. go, bye, Father God. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if I say, bye, Father God, and I'm only using mother language, I actually am purposefully rejecting part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. But then you go beyond that trees and flowers and everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. When I was a kid, God was like a man and a woman. Like my mom almost always refers to like the goddess. If she's talking about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like there are like interesting parts of my like young experience of spirituality uh, that I think I kind of separated myself from when I like started to be like mm, God yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. But like as a kid, I I believed in an afterlife. Um, part of the reason for that was that my father was dead, and so I believed you he wanted... was somewhere, and yeah. like I spoke to him. And that comes back to hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like. Yeah, I mean, I believed in some kind of greater power at the time. That was kind of how I talked about it. Um, Well, we know scientifically, well, I say we know, but from my understanding, we know humans now that because matter 
isn't destroyed and become is somehow still exists in the world. Mm-hmm. You actually are in all in a physical, real way connected to your father. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might not feel have feelies to it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's where some of the mystic stuff comes in when you're like, I can feel my father. Mm-hmm. Like that's metaphysical stuff. Yeah. Or, or I don't know what the right word is, spiritual or whatever. But it doesn't mean, here's, here's the kicker, man. This, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when someone goes, I can feel my father. Part of me wants to go, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Like you're just telling yourself that because you need to feel that. And maybe that's true. But simultaneously, what might be true is they do. <laughs> because I, they are physically connected to their fathers, according to science. I would argue that, like, they are connected in that, uh... So their father had some time on this earth and affected things, and those things, like, ripple out into the the, the world Yeah. whenever you die. Like... That's that's only the moment that you stop getting to see how your life ripples out into the world. But your it does. Your life never actually stops, yeah. like, affecting things. Yeah. Every decision will permanently do something. Yeah. Yeah. So, circumstantially, I mean, you're part of a world that exists based on actions of that person. Yeah. Totally. But also just ma- the matter, like... We, our the bodies stuff. regenerate. We're made of this, literally the same stuff. So mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, we're breathing the air that they breathe. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, maybe we'll wrap it up. I think happiness is underrated. Mm-hmm. And some of the the most spiritual, like the spiritual leaders of the world that are somber and sage-like and calm and serious and they say famous quotes, they're amazing people and they teach us something wonderful and good. But there's also people that just want to make us laugh and those are good too. And I don't think one of them is actually more the joy more heavier, more important. Mm-hmm. Like like the Dalai Lama, I don't think that that's more like more important than like a friend that makes you laugh when you're sad. Yeah, like I actually think that they're equals to each other, as opposed to a hierarchy of. Well, you can make them happy real quick and just tell them a joke, or you could become like the Dalai Lama. It's like no, no, both of them are needed in the world. Mm-hmm. And this is perfectly exemplified when the Dalai Lama tells a joke. Yeah. I'm serious. Something else happens. Because you go, his wisdom just jumped over to ha- he just happiness? Mm-hmm. Or like the reason we like that what I think is not an accurate portrayal of Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's just happy. like smiling. I don't think that's, I've heard that's not what he was he like. He like a guy. Like... Yeah. He, was, he wasn't even, I think he was like, we portray him as, like, really thin. fat, too, and stuff. He wasn't like that. Yeah, yeah. The part of that is because um, after he, like, fasted for four years and came to uh, the realization of, like, the truth, he said, 
let's eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, He's like, okay, did that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like when I think of some of the Buddhist teachings, really lo- teachings from a lot of traditions, but Buddhist in particular, I think of happiness. There's a story, I don't know if it is um, originally Buddhist or if it's just been like yeah, created incorporated. recently, but uses Buddhist teachings. Uh, and it talks about a, uh, a woman who approached Buddha and said, I want happiness. And he says, first you remove I, that is ego. Then you remove want, that is desire. And you're left with happiness. Yeah. I like that. It scares me to death, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Ego death, it's a scary thing. Yeah. Ego death is a scary thing. And then the other one, like, lack of provision, mm-hmm. I guess would be the other one. I mean, I don't know it's about what word you desire. Um, oh yeah, it, it, you can be, you can have food to live, but desire for co- or coveting or wanting something that mm-hmm. you don't have. Yeah, yet, wanting thinking, more food than you need, or and thinking that you'll be happy if you have that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's no, you're like, and you know, obviously the Buddhist teaching is like you're performing right action to move closer to uh, reaching nirvana, and that stuff. part I'm less into because it feels like a point system that you're getting better and you're like you're higher up than other people and anytime I hear that stuff I don't like it does that make sense yeah it's an interesting thing because in that world having uh like much better karma isn't a good thing because if you end up in a heavenly realm instead of an earthly realm you can't gain karma you can only lose it and you're like enjoying it so you shouldn't get too close to god is what it sounds like it well, so the heavenly realms aren't God things. They're just like other realms where things are different. Well, you the beings sh- there don't get too good, is what that sounds like. You don't want to score too high on this test. It's more like the issue is having things too good. Um, oh. Like you, you, you get there and you, you don't. You <laughs> shouldn't even be too good at being good because then you'd be you'd get a trophy for being good. Yeah, it's like the Buddha prior to his, like, enlightenment. He was a prince and was, like, in an attempt to prevent him from uh, becoming enlightened, uh, was given everything he ever wanted, like food and drink and pillows and whatever, you know? Whatever people wanted back then. Yeah, grapes. Yeah, but then... But then if you... If you... uh, does, Does that lead to inevitably... Poverty, on purpose. Uh, asceticism is common. Does it um, have to be an interpretation of that quote? quote? I'm thinking it doesn't. But that could just be because I don't want to do a vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. Buddhism only asks asceticism of monks. So, like, the laity uh, who practice don't have to, don't have to live like that. Um, don't have to, like, live off of, like, the charity of others and... Uh, sustain yeah. on very yeah. little. Um, but it's a similar work. thing. It's a similar thing to the clergy of almost every religion. Mm-hmm. That could be said about most of them. Yeah. I think... But but isn't it implied that the holier ones are the monks? 
And so they're doing it better? Not in Buddhism. Not in Buddhism? Okay. Monks are teachers exclusively. They're not more connected to the Buddha. They don't have better karma than you. They are they, they are spreaders of the Dharma, the truth. So that's where I think a lot of lay people in the world have got it wrong about clergy. Mm-hmm. Because I was assuming that about the monks, mm-hmm. in part because of how many people assume that about pastors. And, and it's not true. And I would go, <laughs> no, they're not closer. And people kind of, there's still jokes that I hear regularly. Mm-hmm. That there's this thing of like, I actually am, I know something other people don't know. Mm-hmm. Or I have access to God's ear a little bit more than them in prayer. Mm-hmm. So we'd like, you know, have Jason pray because he was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I might tap into this. And I'm, I never agreed with that language, mm-hmm. never affirmed it. I was always like, that's not how it works, you know. It feels Sometimes it's Catholic. mostly they're joking. Because Catholicism does, in fact, have a hierarchy. I don't know if the claim is that any of those people are closer to God except the Pope. Um, well, the priests that I know wouldn't say that. Yeah, but do you know any cardinals? No. I don't I know never, what they would say. Yeah. Um, I think the best, I, in my opinion, the best way to think of it is like just a just a role among any other role. Mm-hmm. Some, like every community needs a person to bake the bread mm-hmm. and to do and to fish and to grow the vegetables and to share what the Dharma is it, what would you call it? The Dharma is um, the truth. The truth. It, the, the, the way, yeah. kind of. So there needs to be people in every community that continue to remind us of the way. Yeah. And just like we need someone to, to you know, to do, to make ceramics. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to pump water or bring water. Yeah. So it isn't holier. It's just. Uh, it's their job. It's, it's their, like, their role in the world. Yeah. I'll help you out. Here's how you can, like. So live safely. Do you think you know yours? My role in the world. Yeah. Um, it's to know a little bit about every possible thing, so that when someone brings up a topic, I will be like, "Did you know?" Uh, dude, there's this podcast. It's perfect for you. <laughs> it's really good. I've heard it's things about things. Yeah, that's it's really good. Man, that's so good, man. It's like a freaking human search engine. Yeah. That talks back at you <laughs> conversationally. That's a cool role in the world. Yeah, I like it. I appreciate that part of my life. It's a funny thing because I, I, you know, I have these interactions all the time where I talk to people about the fact that I do that. Um, I remember a time when... I don't even remember what I had said in the first place to begin talking about that. But then they were talking about Chuck E. Cheese, and they're like, who owns that? And I was like, oh, the founder was Nolan Bushnell. Because I happened to know that from a book I read about video games in, like, sixth grade. And it just stuck. Yeah, there's just, like, little bits that I hold on to. I don't know why or, like, how to make those things happen, but I do. I like that you're harnessing it instead of just just going, I don't know, just going, I don't know, but I want to provide that for people. Mm-hmm. 
If they say something, I'll just know something about it and say something back to them. So yeah. I'll do, I'll use it for good. Totally. <laughs> and not for evil. <laughs> That's cool. You yeah. know, most people don't have an answer to that. You know that, right? Like, oh, like most people, if you just world? said, what do you think your role in the world is? Most people would have no clue what to say. In my in my experience, most people would go, oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know, but of course you I do. have conjecture. <laughs> yeah, and there's like some intuition deep down, this feeling. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, what am I good at? Uh, and the main thing I feel good at is just like knowing things, recalling them, uh, and like uh, I'm very curious and like I want to know more things. And when I get the opportunity or there's things I don't know that I think sound interesting, I, I look them up and I sometimes remember it, sometimes don't. Well, I guess the missing part of that story to me is when you said you're good at it, the first thought I had was, does that mean that people, anything you're, a person is good at is their role? No. Nah. So my question is, does it make you happy? It does. That yeah. Then I think you're getting closer to your role in the world. Because when people go, well, I'm good at this, and then my follow-up is, do you like it? And they go, I hate it, but I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah, sound that like is, your role in the world. That's not your role in the world. But that's if you what go, you're doing right now. Yeah, but if you go, I, it makes me really happy, it's like, I think you found your role in the world. And I think that's what a lot of movies are like. You know, mm-hmm. there's those stories. It's like they've got this job and they've got this thing, but it's like doesn't, deep down, it doesn't yeah. make them Like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yeah, it doesn't make them happy. You know what will make you happy? That farm boy from your hometown. Yeah. <laughs> or that thing that's on sale on Black Friday for Christmas. It's true. It will make you happy. The next video game that comes out or the next whatever thing, mm-hmm. it'll make you happy. It will. But that's actually, it's not even what I mean. Like, I think the what I'm talking about, about wanting to, well, I, one of my roles, I think, is I want to make people happy but it's not with the material possession part of that story like Mm -hmm. it's like if you want to make them happy work at a big box store and see the kids who get the hundred dollar lego sets every single day you'll see them turns out they're not happy yeah and you won't be happy working there no even though you would think you would based on that story it's like you know that video game that came out is you'd make you happy? We have a hundred of them. Every day, kids come in and buy them. Doesn't that sound like the perfect job? They're happy, you're happy. You'd go, doesn't sound good at all. Because they're not actually happy. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't make me happy. So mine is not about material. It's it's a it's just invisible. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a tangible if there was something visible, it would be the look in the eye thing. I see people and I go, I see that they're happy. I see it. And I try to let them know that I see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> like, I see, I see it. Oh, you're happy. I see you. Yeah, that's it. Namaste. So I think that's my, I try to look people in the eye and the namaste vibe to be there. Mm-hmm. But some days I'm like, this is all this this isn't how life works. Like I'm wasting my energy walking down King Street 
every person I walk past, I'm like, boom, boom, mm. energy vibes, happiness to you. And then I go home, like, no one cares. Like, <laughs> I think you I care. just, but I care. And I think it's cool. And I love living my life like that. Yeah. It's kind of what you got to do, right? Yeah. So maybe that's my purpose. I walk around going, mm, mm, mm. what is it? <laughs> Sending them happy vibes. Does it do anything? I don't know. <laughs> is, does it help much? I hope so. And then yours, like, what's your purpose? I'd like to. I just want to tell it, people things. Any that topic that they have, just to say something about it back to them. It's like, does it help the world? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I like, do it for me. I like to think so. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I, I hear that and I'm like, of course that helps heal. Like, that's so healing in the world. It loves people. But you couldn't really track it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Like, what did you do last year, numbers-wise, to heal the world? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. I just told cool, like, told, like, cool piece of information to people. Mm-hmm. How do you measure that? Yeah. But I bet you it makes people happy. Yeah. People are like, huh, interesting. I didn't know that. And, I mean, you know, it depends on what I know. Um, and what do you ever have to hold them. back just, like... Devastating information that would hide yeah. conversations. All the time, all the time. <laughs> hey, do you realize that this is on YouTube also? For some of you, you're listening only, you might not realize, hey, Things About Things is now also a video podcast. So if you've been listening only, find us on YouTube. Also, the reason that I could even put this thing on YouTube and have a video podcast is because of patrons of the podcast. There are a bunch of people who give a, a dollar a month or maybe $5 a month to help this thing keep going, to pay for a studio, to pay for equipment, a website, all, all that kind of stuff. If you are interested in doing that and being one of the patrons, you can chip in $1 a month or $5 a month or whatever you want. You can go to patreon.com slash things about things. That's patreon.com slash things about things. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash things about things. Patreon dot com slash things about things. Or, of course, you can always go to things about things dot com for more things.